0: Looking for the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? Yeah. We've got you, covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports
1: And Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you're all having a great Tuesday. Yes, we had Monday off, so it's kind of fun to uh, kick off the week on a Tuesday. But a man who never has a day off because he breaks down the jazz better than anybody else 24 7. It's Ben Anderson. Not only do you hear him on uh, the station from 10 to 12 with Jake Scott, but you also catch him uh, on KSLSports.com as our Utah Jazz Insider. Ben, how the heck are you?
2: Hey, handsome guy. Good. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. I'm doing
3: well.
1: Have you guys mended fences? Are we good now? Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. Okay. We we actually never really had an
2: issue. Yeah, All were right. we off? I didn't remember
1: yeah. Well, it was, it I, was, you, you said some things, Ben, that, that <laughs> you, you essentially called his wife a gold digger.
2: That did hurt.
3: That actually did hurt. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Lloyd is the one that was causing the problems.
2: Yes, yeah. blame it on Inspigator. me. That's okay. I'll take it. All right. Well,
1: the all-star uh, all-star game is in the rearview mirror. Um, number one, just as a fan of the game that loves the NBA, like, you know, your entire life. I And, and we're all that way. We have these glorified images of John Paxson and John Stockton going toe to toe in Salt Lake back in 93. And those games being competitive and guys really trying to find ways to win the games to now what we have. Are you disappointed? Where are you at on the All-Star game? Are you disappointed with it? Does it need to be tweaked? Can it be tweaked? Or is this just what we have now?
2: I mean, I guess the fact that I have almost completely checked out on it is a really bad sign because it should be something that I have interest in that I don't really have a lot of interest in. And it should be a showcase for the league to highlight its best players. So in that sense, yes, I guess it's a failure and it's lost. And maybe it's been lost for so long that I'm just apathetic and I don't care anymore. But I do also – like I remember being younger – when every game was decided, you know, 85 to 78, and those games were being scored in the 110s and 120s, like, it's not like they were playing great defense for 48 minutes, even back when I was younger and you had Jordan out there. Like, they were always high-scoring games. Now, they weren't 200 points like we saw over the weekend, but they were always inflated from what we would usually see. I think we have uh, begun to get a little bit overly nostalgic about what the All-Star Games used to be.
3: So... What did you feel like was the
2: most successful part of All-Star Weekend? That's a very difficult question. I, I mean, honestly, I think what translates the best is always the three-point shooting contest because it's simple, it's straightforward. And then I'll even go and say, you know what? I thought Steph versus Sabrina Ionescu was great. I thought that was really fun. I thought people were into it. I thought they both competed really hard. I thought you saw Steph, who's the best player at doing that on the planet the best we've ever seen shine and that's I guess what the all-star weekend is supposed to show how do we get the best out of the actual best in the world and you know you don't get the best players in the dunk contest you don't even get the best athletes in the dunk contest anymore that's unfortunate so at least you got the best three-point shooter ever doing his best in a three-point shootout and I liked how hard he competed I loved how hard she competed I thought that was the best part of the weekend and maybe you need to find ways to get a little bit more gimmicky and less trying to create a basketball game with players who don't want to be there it's
3: mm-hmm. crazy it's the first time i've heard people talk negative about the jet but they sure didn't like kenny's uh, take on that three-point contest
2: no i thought the broadcasting was bad all weekend long you know I, I just they don't have that and i do think there's an issue where i love charles i think uh draymond green's gonna be a great broadcaster as soon as he retires the nba does have a problem with like the announcers openly talk about how bad the league is all the time it's like it's not that bad. You, you guys are kind of falling into a trap of the dog days of the league and it gets tiresome. There's a lot of games, but th- there's some negative nostalgia about the NBA now where all these guys talking about how it used to be. It's like, man, the game is better than it used to be. These players are all better than you guys were. And so for you to talk about how bad the league is right now, I do think there's some jealousy when it comes to how much money is being made in the league and how you know average players are making 10 times what Charles Barkley made in his career. But I, I do think there's too much negative talk from the announcers in the NBA.
1: Do you, um, you know, and I think I'll, I think it's it's human nature when you're no longer part of a game and you want to dog on it and you think that yours is better. I mean, I do that as a fan. I I slip back to you know my formative years as a kid growing up watching the NBA in the late '80s and into the '90s, and I'm I always think that that's better. And then you take a step back, and you're like, eh, not really. Um, Is there, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, do you feel like that the out-of-control offensive nature of what's going on currently in the NBA is leading to that, where guys are like, well, nobody plays defense anymore, nobody cares anymore, do you think that these games that are, you know, consistently in the 120s, 130s, sometimes even 140s, is is, uh, dragging the game down a little bit in terms of its reputation, when in reality it's just the greatest athletes on the planet just doing their thing?
2: I think the analytics have surpassed the game a little bit. Like we've gotten so good at figuring out how to perfect shots that our rules haven't caught up with it. So, you know, I talked about this today on my podcast, which will come out later. I would probably get rid of three seconds in the key. Like guys aren't shooting 50 mid range jump shots a game anymore. There's so many threes taken. Like why not give big guys an advantage and just say, Hey, Walker Kessler, If the Jazz want to plant you in the key for 30 minutes a game, you never have to move. And if that takes away some layups, fine. And now maybe the problem is guys only shoot threes, and maybe that becomes worse. I mean, I guess that could potentially be a negative fallback. But, like, if you want defenses to get better, help defenses. Like, that doesn't mean you have to get rid of the three-point line or move it back or get rid of corner threes, which I know some of these things have been talked about. But, like, give something back to the big man to make the traditional big man important again so it's not just, Every guy, regardless of their height, is trying to shoot as many threes as possible. Like, it would be good if you have a bunch of guys whose sole value is that they protect the rim and aren't only valued like whether or not they shoot threes. Like, it was kind of a problem last year and throughout Rudy Gobert's tenure in Utah that every conversation, every offseason was like, Well, when's he going to add the jump shot? When's he going to start shooting threes? We still talk about it with Walker. Uh, You know, you would still see rudy gobert occasionally taking them in practice like as an idea that that was something he was working on it's like rudy gobert over the last seven years has been one of the 10 15 best players on the planet as far as impacting winning which is the only thing that matters and we're dogging him because he doesn't shoot threes like let's highlight what he does let's value what he does do instead of trying to change it so i think that type of thing could improve the league and where the rules like i said have probably not caught up yet to the analytics
3: are you seeing more usage of the offhand offensively to get separation, that's not getting called. I guess it seems to be more apparent to me that you're seeing a lot more usage of that hand to create separation, and you very rarely get the offensive call.
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting to, to kind of bring it into it where it's used a whole lot, and where they could get rid of it. And it was a conversation I had with somebody who would, I, I don't, I don't know. Who I, I, I'm gonna, I got it secondhand, and I know who they got it from, but I don't know if they were clear to talk about it, so I'll just tell you the conversation I had with somebody who really knows the league was that they would get rid of mid-range fouls almost entirely, which is like, that's exactly what you're talking about, Hands is like you drive your body into somebody with your offhand, you kind of sweep through or you push off, and we call it on the defensive player, and then they shoot a bad mid-range jump shot, which they were never going to shoot otherwise. Mm-hmm. And we, we benefit the offense there so often which like that's where we should benefit defenses. Like if analytics aren't are telling you to move away from mid range jump shots, how are we still rewarding offensive teams for drawing fouls in mid range? That doesn't make any sense to me. So those are the types of plays where, yes, I think, you know, the league has gotten so good at drawing fouls and guys are so good at recognizing like, where's your foot? Where's your hand? Like, I know you're off balance. So once you're off balance, I've got you beat either getting to the rim or I'm going to get to my step back or I'm going to draw a foul. That's where we need to start fixing some of those rules. Mm.
1: Ben Anderson joining us. Uh, you can catch that podcast, the uh, Jazz Notes podcast. I also, get the newsletter uh, sent right to your email as well. Uh, all right, so we're down the home stretch of the season. Jazz will kick things off coming up here in a couple days. Uh, what are reasonable expectations for this season remaining for the Utah Jazz?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you can win 40% of your games, which will get you a top 10 pick, will at least make the game somewhat interesting to watch. Not every game's going to be close, but not every game's going to be a blowout, which. You know, guys, remember the Detroit Pistons lost 29 games in a row this season. (laughs) You're not going to have to deal with that. So if you can win four out of every 10 or, you know, to break it down smaller, two out of every five, that's probably accomplishes the jazz goal of what I would think would be to get a top 10 pick. And you add another talented player or major trade piece and fans can stay engaged enough to not feel like they totally have to check out on the team. And then you'll get a very heavy dose of Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks. And we'll see if, you know, Bryce Sentebaugh breaks into the rotation at some point or not. But I I think it's going to be a lot of what you saw on Thursday night, which, you know what, that was a good product. Uh, I thought Thursday night's game was really fun. It was bad offense or bad defense, excuse me, which isn't always great. But you had two teams really playing hard in the fourth quarter. You had your rookie jump out and have a huge record-breaking or tying performance, making nine threes. Taylor Hendricks got on the floor, and I actually thought it looked pretty good, even though his numbers weren't great, and and they were competitive. Those those moments mattered. Keontae George learned a lot by playing, you know, 30 possessions, 25 possessions in the fourth quarter of a game that they were trying to win. I think that's what to expect. But you know, I'm not going to say the Jazz are going to go on a what 19 and six run over the last 25 games and storm into the playoffs. I do, I don't see that happening.
3: So Ben, I was talking to Scotty about this to start the show watching minnesota and watching their two all-stars and car anthony towns and anthony edwards and then waking up this morning and seeing that mike conley just signed an extension and and he's onward and upward and seeing to kill alexander walker working his specialty role that he's got with minnesota and feeling like the jazz were really close and this minnesota team is going to be really tough down the stretch and if they win a championship, I don't know exactly how to feel about it, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. This Minnesota team, the way it's constructed, does it make you feel like the Jazz might have been closer than than they actually were or that we thought they were? And how do you feel about Minnesota's chances coming out of the West?
2: Yeah, and Hans, let me pull Cleveland into this too, because Cleveland has the second-best record in the Eastern Conference, and Their second and third best player have been hurt a lot of the year in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, and Donovan Mitchell has quietly put together just a huge season. Like, he's a top-ten MVP candidate. So now you're like, man, Rudy was really good, and Donovan was really good, and maybe the issues were elsewhere. You know, maybe it wasn't those two guys (sighs) and their inability to get together. Maybe they were good enough. Now, that's a huge maybe because I will tell you, if you end up with a healthy Joel Embiid in the first round of the playoffs and they play the Cavaliers, Am I going to be stunned if Donovan Mitchell loses in the first round again? I'm not. Or and I'm not picking him to win any second round series in the Eastern Conference. Like I don't think they get out of the second round and then you're still stuck with the problem of your best player is a 6 foot 1 guard who's really good and that doesn't win in the NBA. So that's the Cleveland aspect of it. The Minnesota part of it, I think they're contenders. They're really bad late in games offensively and look that is kind of a Rudy Gobert problem and what I'll say is it's not Rudy's fault, but Rudy doesn't fix it. But that's why they need Mike Conley. It's why they gave up what they did to get to get Mike Conley last year at the trade deadline. Like They cannot close games at all. It's crazy to watch them in the fourth quarter. They do not know how to execute, especially if Mike Conley's not on the floor. It's also why they traded for Monty Morris at the trade deadline. They have to have good point guard play because Anthony Edwards isn't quite that type of guy. He's not going to go out and make the perfect play, the right play, every, you know, every possession down the stretch of a clutch game. And that's why he might not be a true top five, top six, top seven player yet in the NBA. So Minnesota is really good. I love what they did to the Clippers last week where the Clippers went small and they said, okay, Rudy's going to dunk on Kawhi Leonard. Cat's going to be huge. And you're not going to have any answer for us. If you go small, do I think they can do that over a seven game series? I don't know, but i like that they showed that they could at least try and do it there. So I like them. And again, they could be in the same boat as Cleveland and be out in the second round. And I'd say, yeah, they've, they've got some flaws and, now they've got a really expensive team that can't get out of the second round of the playoffs, and that gets really dicey for them too. So I think that's what the Jazz are betting on, that's what the Jazz front office is betting on. But personally, I would love to see both Rudy and Mike Conley win a title. I think those guys were really fun to cover and fun to watch, and I think they're good for the NBA and what the future could look like.
1: Minnesota-Denver seven-game series. you still go Denver?
2: Denver in five. Yeah, I, don't... Yeah, I said six. Nick Jokic is yeah. so good. I mean, I, again, I know he's just mailed it in, and they've got some questions in their in their second unit. They're really young. You realize how good Jeff Green and and was it Sterling Brown last year or was it Bruce Brown? Now I'm mixing up my uh, my Browns. Uh, and then there was of course Christian Brown, who was the young guard yeah. who's not playing that well this year. Yeah, uh, th- they're they're really inexperienced in the second unit. So I- I've got some questions about them there. Like, man, I don't want to play Reggie Jackson a whole lot of minutes in the in the playoffs. But again, it's like. I don't trust Cat. I don't trust Carl Anthony Towns hardly at all. So then you're counting on Mike Conley to be healthy and be able to last through the playoffs, which he didn't do in Utah very often either. So they're, they are not perfectly put together. And, yes, I would take the – definitely I would take the uh, the Nuggets over them. I might even take the Thunder over them. I might take the Clippers over them in a seven-game series when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It's just – it's still an uphill climb. I think you were talking about Christian Brown? Christian – no, Christian Brown is the guard. Who is the – I think it's Bruce Brown right now when he plays. Yeah, I CS, think it's Rally Bruce. Ratchus, yeah. Bruce yep. Brown, who was – yeah. Sorry, um, i mix up all my, uh, my, my players.
3: So, hey, so you actually brought up kind of an interesting thing. I, why didn't the Jazz try something different coaching-wise with that roster? Did they feel like I... Glenn was the guy
2: – I I do. I think that there was real investment that Quinn was the guy. And when he left, it kind of felt like that was the first shoe to drop, which it really was. I mean, the Jazz, you know, Quinn resigned on June 5th, and they didn't trade Rudy Gobert until it was like the 28th or 29th. I think it was like when that broke, and then they couldn't officially do it until July. But, like, there had been 25 days where, you know, they were hiring a coach and Will Hardy, coming in knowing that they were already going to blow up this roster. And now I'm kind of looking at it, I'm like, huh, maybe, maybe you should have tried a coach for six months. You know, maybe you could have tried something a little bit different. that might end up being one of the great what ifs in jazz history is that you had these guys under contract still. Remember Mike Conley was still here. Jordan Clarkson was still here. You could have had that roster. I know they didn't have a lot of draft flexibility and that was an issue and they were kind of getting expensive, but I don't think Quinn's like, Got a lot of well, – he's not won everybody over in Atlanta with his coaching job. So maybe just you needed new eyeballs on it. And that's not to say Quinn wasn't a very good coach. I think he is. But, like, just a different look, different eyeballs. Somebody to try something a little bit differently. I mean, you still had Boyan Bogdanovich coming back that season. And if you wanted to blow it up, you could have. Maybe you would have gotten less. Or maybe you would have been good and you could have kept this thing alive and kept it afloat for a little while. So that is definitely emerging as one of the bigger what-ifs in recent jazz memory
1: well and and to let people behind the scenes a little bit, and Hans and I have kind of you know like we we we've had conversations, and I know Ben you've had conversations as well there was you know i I think it's well known that Donovan Mitchell was not particularly happy in Utah but was not forcing the hand of the jazz at that point to trade him there was nothing publicly, and I think there were probably indications behind the scenes that he was uh that he would not resign and stay in Utah
3: and he had what two years left
1: was uh, it yeah I think so three, but because he's i think' it it was a little three while yeah. in Cleveland. but but the thing is winning and a new you know a new culture a new environment with coaching can change things pretty quickly, so yeah, I think the jazz felt like okay you know we we got burnt we got burnt with Gordon Hayward because we didn't move him and we lost him um but you still had a ton of time if you start winning, guys can change their opinion pretty quick but then you go back to the disconnect between Rudy and Donovan, and their camps weren't getting along at that point. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to you know put the uh, the, the the glasses and look back the you know the uh, what is it hindsight hindsight twenty twenty. But I, I can see both things being true there, obviously. Hey, sure.
2: Look, if you if you knew you were getting Will Hardy, I would have said keep it together. Like well, I think Will Hardy is a really good coach, and I think he makes the types of adjustments that Quinn Snyder showed an unwillingness to make that have made the jazz pretty interesting and why I think he's going to be a really good coach going forward, but you don't know that. And, and, you know, to to that point, look at what Milwaukee did. They hired Adrian Griffin who was very similar to who will Hardy is. I mean, I I know Adrian Griffin was a player. Will Hardy wasn't, but like Adrian Griffin was a top assistant under one of the top head coaches for a long time and was kind of one of the up and comers and had interviewed for jobs before and was kind of thought as this wasn't like this. Nobody killed the bucks for hiring Adrian Griffin when they did. And they fired him 40 games in the year. And I would tell you guys, like I think it's made it more likely that Giannis asks out now than if they had, you know, gone and gotten a more conservative coach or something, but doc Rivers is bad now. So if, if everything goes sour in Milwaukee, like there's a chance Giannis asks out this summer, which, you know, if you had ended up with that spot with both Donovan and Rudy Gobert, and there was a fire sale, you don't get hardly anything for those guys and certainly not compared to what you did end up getting. And that is the risky run. The jazz just gambled on, you know, cutting ties early and we will see if they can get back to where they were with those two players. But yeah, that, that is certainly the gamble and they could have extended it out another year with a new coach if they'd wanted to. Hmm.
1: Ben, you're the best man. We appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. Thanks Ben. Thanks guys. See ya. There he is, Ben Anderson, right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. We're live here at My Hearing Center. Matt's with us. And so many great opportunities uh, to improve your hearing. And we talk about the fact that, okay, we want to improve your relationships, and that's important. Uh, you don't want to be the guy saying, what, 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 all the time mm-hmm. when you're in a conversation. Uh, but you, you've you talked about this as well, and I remember reading a report about this in uh, some kind of study where um, your hearing is next to your memory function in your in your brain, and when the memory or when the hearing starts to shrink a little bit because you're not hearing properly, it'll affect the other parts of the brain, and you could see, you know, issues with uh, Alzheimer's and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it, this has a dramatic impact on your health and your brain if you're not hearing correctly.
4: Yeah, same thing that happens when you um, stop exercising your muscles; right, they start to atrophy, they start to shrink. When your brain's not getting the the um, exercise it needs from auditory stimulation. Uh, it starts to shrink, and that say, that cortex of the brain that, that focuses on speech is right next to that memory cortex, and that uh, that will bleed over, and has shown to have additional effects. We've seen new studies this year now that show a person with a hearing loss has a higher mortality rate. They're gonna they're gonna live a shorter life if they don't have their hearing fixed early, and so there's all these things coming out with how important it is to take care of your hearing. You know, even you know little things while you're in the work in the work field. You can't hear as well as your coworker. You actually it shows that your salary will be less than other people around you because you're not able to participate in here and, and function the same way as somebody that can hear. So it's really important at all stages of your life to take care of your hearing. How many people that come in looking for
3: hearing aids have waited too long? Would you say is it a high percentage? It, it
4: was. I think it was a high percentage. Now we're we're, we're really getting people there earlier in the earlier in that uh, life cycle. And so um, but, yeah, you're you're still talking about 10 percent of the people probably, maybe less, maybe 8 that, percent that come in. And it's like, hey, buddy, you have you wait a long time, yeah. you know, 80, 80 years of having your, you know, working on the on the on the docks or work, you know, working out in the on the fields or whatever on tractors. That's going to damage your hearing. And now you're here trying to get some help. It's going to be hard to get those sounds back you know, in your brain recognizing.
3: What's the most common story people tell you when they come in? Um, What's
4: the most like? This is why I'm here. The most, I mean, most common story is like my wife is gonna kill me yeah. if I don't do something. <laughs> I mean, that's your that's your most common story for sure. You know, the reason I'm here is because I this person can't stand me saying it's what? hurting relationships. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what happens when you have a hearing? You everybody has a hearing aid already. Everybody does. If you have a hearing loss, you have a hearing aid. Unfortunately, for those that haven't come to my hearing center yet, is typically their spouse or their loved one that becomes their hearing. And you guys know exactly, you've seen this, right? You're out yeah. at lunch, you know this guy, you're out at dinner, you miss something, and wh- who do they turn to? They turn to their spouse and say, what'd they say? What, and so the entire time the spouse is interpreting everything that's going on around them so they can that's be in part. That's hard. It's hard, yeah. w- it, it wanes, it drains. Yeah, it does. And, and th- those are hard on relationships. So I think the mo- that's, that's your most common, hey, this is what's going on, we need to change in our life or else one of us has gotta, is not gonna be here much longer.
1: Well, here's the thing. There's so many great options here, and you, look, people should be doing this just because it's the right thing to do for their health. But sure. you want to incentivize people, and you want to make sure that, hey, they feel like they're, they're getting some opportunities here. And, and if you have to coax them along the way, you will.
4: Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest um, deterrents to people doing some of their hearing problem is that they're not sure that this hearing aid is going to work for them. They're not sure that they want to work with my hearing centers. And, I, and, hey, we get it, right? You're, you're going to be married to this thing. We're going to be spending a lot of time together. We don't just have you come in once and then send you on your way and you know, come back in five years or whatever. We're going to see you on a regular basis probably every three to four months at the beginning of this, certainly every year to retest your hearing and adjust your hearing aids. So it's important that you make sure that you like us and we can work well together. And that's why we allow you to come in. It's a free evaluation to get to know our provider. It's a risk-free 30 days to make sure you're comfortable and have, having the right trajectory for the hearing aids. Going back to what Han said, you know, of those 8% of people that come in that have really damaged hearing, 30 days isn't long enough for them to get that back. It's going to take months before they get some of that understanding back. And so, But 30 days, as long as we're on the right trajectory, going the right direction, have, have a light at the end of the tunnel with, the, with that path, path, that gives you at least some information on whether or not you want to continue. So 30 days risk-free free hearing uh, evaluation, and if you call right now, we, we'll we put you to a drawing for a free set of these hearing aids.
1: Let's do it. Call that number right now, 801-438-7058. Uh, That's 801-438-7058. Call now. Get on the books. It's free. The evaluation's free. You can take them uh, and, and test them out for free as well, but it all starts with that phone call. Let's get you in the books right here on 97.5 DKSL Zone.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... This is JJ and Alex. Oh,
1: he's calling you again.
0: Oh, you guys are getting back together. You feel like it's not me, it's you. I've heard it before. We have been used as a love pawn in the A's trying to get into the Coliseum for a longer term without having to leave and give up some TV rights. JJ, please explain to me what went on here because we were told behind closed doors that this thing was basically a done deal that the A's coming to Salt Lake for a temporary three years was basically a done deal, and then I think we're finding out today that we've just been used. You stink, and I don't like you! Utah, you are in the friend zone. Oh, no! Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, B KSL Sports Zone. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good.
1: Good, the bad, the ugly, right here on 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Before we get to the good hands, let's uh, give away some more tickets. It's a Jazz Ticket Tuesday.
0: It's a Jazz Ticket Tuesday, and your chance to win Jazz tickets is right now. Be caller number 12 at 801-575-ZONE, and you'll win tickets to see your Utah Jazz at the Delta Center. Presented by UCCU. Love where you
1: bang. That's right, UCCU, your presenting sponsor of Jazz Ticket Tuesday. If you're calling number 12 right now, 801-575-ZONE, you win a pair of tickets, see the Jazz and the Hornets coming up on uh, February 22nd at the Delta Center. All right, hands. let's start with the good. And you and I always enjoy a nice little Twitter brawl. Um, huh. As George yes. Carl sent out a tweet over the weekend, it was um, Jokic's birthday. And so George Carl, who's never coached Jokic, sends out a tweet with a picture of him and says, happy birthday to the champ, the ultimate team guy, and the, <laughs> and the greatest yes. player to ever wear number 15 yes. in Denver Hoops history. All right, that's nice and a little bit of a subtle shot until it becomes a full-out shot because he tags Carmelo Anthony in the tweet. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yes, this has gotten really ugly, and this goes back to a... Um, oh, I guess there was a some issue with Carmelo. He was on a podcast... And he was kind of tearing down George Carl. And then George Carl came back, tore down Carmelo Anthony. This is now becoming a longstanding, very public disagreement and dislike and disgust and brawl between two legends. Oh, yeah. And people are picking sides. And the whole time, I'm sitting there on both sides. I'm like, let's hear it, George. Let's hear it, Carmelo. I'm really interested in, in how it all went down. Keep spilling it. For our entertainment, because yeah. I love
1: it. Oh, it to me, I can't get enough of it. I, I and and frankly, I you know probably George Carl, who's older, should probably be taking the high road. But I'm like, nah, and let's just enjoy it. Let's have some fun with I it. I
3: know. Stop telling him to take the high road. No, the dude's fought through cancer. He's been through hell and back. Let the dude choose the way he wants to do his his work. But this is what it came from, apparently, when George Carl got the job. He pulled Carmel Anthony into a meeting and essentially told him, I can't remember the specifics, but something along the line of, you're not good enough. And I can't remember exactly what the, the words were that Car- Carmel Anthony said on this podcast. And George Carl then tweets and says, retweets the, the sound, and he's like, yeah, you weren't and and then everybody that's in Carmelo's camp was like like you know anything old crusty white guy and everybody's you know then you get this whole fight back and forth with everybody it's like jeez man he's
1: right yep and Car- carmel wasn't good enough he wasn't no no he wasn't and didn't put in the work could have been one of the greatest players of ever of all time his skill set was phenomenal but there are certain guys that add on to that like you have to have the talent you have to have the dna and then you have to have the work ethic yeah and he had two out of the three. He had pomp and hype. Yeah. His substance was, was lacking. Nope. 100%. All right. There's your good. Let's get to the bad. Now the bad.
3: Two bits of information. Number one, the Daytona 500 was raced.
1: Yes. Did anybody know or? Uh, I, I didn't know. If a, if the Daytona 500 happens and nobody watches, does it really? No, I'm just joking. I know people love it. I guess people love it. Yeah.
3: Um, and number two, I actually watched the film on this. Lap eight. Sorry, sorry. Eight laps to go. There's a massive accident that takes 23 cars out. I'm, I'm more than half. I think the field was 40 at the time. And this wiped out 23 cars. So then they had to stop it. And restart it. Shortly after the restart, there was another accident. Anyways, it basically whittled down to the guy that kind of started the big accident. His car was unharmed. He kind of went up and towards the wall, clipped another car. His name was William Byron. And because his car was kind of unharmed in the big pileup, he ended up winning the whole thing. Big time underdog. 26 years old. And, um, Came out of the whole pileup basically unscathed. But uh, Alex Bowman – sorry, it was Alex Bowman that started the pileup And that hit into Byron's number 24 car. He went up into Brad Kozlowski, and that started the big chain. But Byron came out of that thing pretty unscathed and went on to win it. Big-time underdog. So if you're going to win it, I guess that's one way to do it.
1: Have everybody wreck and you don't. And you just – get through it. Remember uh it was the uh, Olympics here in Salt Lake in 02 where I think there was some speed skater from oh. Australia or somewhere and he's wiped out the field. And, and he's just like he's like a lap back behind everybody and everybody just falls over and he just skates and wins a gold medal. Had no business winning the gold and he's just like all right, I'll take it. Sure. I
3: I remember that. What yeah. was his name? He, get, he I, became I famous Yeah, of
1: it. Just because he was just he was not good enough to be part of the wreck at the very at the front of the uh Everybody Weird Everybody, about, now, everybody yeah.
3: wadded up and went down. And he that was one of the so funniest things,
1: and he even insane. just leaned into it. He's like, eh, you know, do I deserve it? No. Am I going to take it? Yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah, because this William Byron, like, he'll never win it again. He was never expected to win it. You know, you had Bubba Wallace out there. You had Kyle Bush, You got Jimmy Johnson. You got Brad Kozlowski. You got the tops of the tops in all of racing. They all pile up in a big ball of steel, and then you got Byron that's driving by like, don't let the invisible fire burn, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Oprah Winfrey.
1: Hey, uh, by the way, speaking of the Daytona 500 uh, and speaking of pile ups, they actually were serving yesterday. I was going to show this to you the pile up. It's a warm, soft pretzel stacked with crispy chicken tenders, fries, gooey cheese sauce, chili, and bacon.
3: <laughs> oh, that looks. Fries look a little bit soggy.
1: Yeah. Chicken, Pretty heavy on the carbs.
3: The chicken tenders look great. I will say the most overrated bun in the history of buns. No, don't
1: don't say is it. Is the pretzel bun? Stop stop. Pretzel buns
4: are great. I don't
3: like the pretzel bun, but that is different. That is not a pretzel bun. That's a pretzel. That's a pretzel dish. Yeah. It's a it's basically a dish for the whole concoction
1: to sit in. Twenty four bucks. Would you spend twenty four on that?
3: Well, how big is that? Well, because that doesn't look like it would fill me up. If 24 bucks, if it got me that and a drink and I could eat it, feel full, and share a little bit of it, yeah,
1: I'd do it. All right. Hands of Scotty, there you go. Good, the bad, the ugly. Coming up next, another edition of Whole World News. It's all right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is, this is DJ and PK.
0: Time to talk basketball with David Locke. How much do you think Colin Sexton has changed opinions about him this season?
2: Has any player changed opinions about him more in the NBA? Will already said, sometimes you got to learn from the player. And Colin Sexton taught me more than any player I've ever coached in the sense that Will admitted, yeah, I was influenced by every story i heard, which
0: was the fact that he was a ball hog and he put up points on a bad team and he didn't do anything for teammates.
2: And he's like, I have experienced nothing similar. He was the worst assistant usage rate player in the nba for two years basically which means that the rate of assists amount of times he shot was the lowest of any player in the league that's a ball hug that is not who we are seeing at all Earlier this year i made a comment to someone that i've never been around a player with better intentions with less chance of getting it done and he proved me 100
0: percent wrong <laughs> Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Go, go! It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got got the the whole world in our hands. hands.
1: Well, Hans, it's whole world news, and usually we span the globe for whole world news. Uh, but you know what? We're going to stay close to home for whole world news and uh, give you a story from our good friend Matt Gephardt. Uh, because uh, this is a problem here in Utah, because apparently there's a lot of lonely people, and they are getting preyed on in a scam that's called pig butchering. It's not what you think. Uh, let's let's talk about Diane. Lovely Diane, she's single, she just wants a little love in her life, she meets a man on a dating app, and she said, we start talking, and he was so sweet, and they talk and talk and talk, they've not met in person, but they text, all the DMs are having a great time, she feels like she can trust him, well then she says... Uh, That he said that, uh, hey, by the way, she talked about, like, you know, I need to be investing and doing some things. And he says, well, I can help you with that. Have you thought about getting into cryptocurrency? Oh. So, anyway, Diane says, well, he he goes, I'll invest it for you. So she gives him $100 and she then shows her all these graphs, like, look, your $100 has now turned into $300. Would you like to invest more? And so she keeps pumping money. How old is she? I don't know. It doesn't say. Uh, but, uh, anyway, she, uh, continues to give him more money to invest. He keeps showing her all these cool graphs of all the money that she makes and to gets to a point where she is taking out loans because she's making so much of this imaginary money in this investing. And as soon as this mystery man realizes that he has got all the money he can possibly get from her. scumbag! Guess how much money she loses. 187000 Oh,
3: what a scumbag. August oh, this year. Apparently, this scumbag. is
1: going on all over the place. It's called pig butchering. It can happen anywhere Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, if you start developing a relationship with somebody and that person doesn't want to meet you, oh. or for whatever reason, they're not meeting in person, and they're saying, hey, I can invest money for you in cryptocurrency, you would think that would be a big red flag. Just know, don't do it. Oh, don't man. do it, folks. Don't do it. Our good friend Matt Gephardt, a great story. Uh, uh, and uh, again on KSL TV about it. So again, oh, it just come makes on, me folks. So mad. And all it, Diane get prayed on. All Diane wanted was a little love and attention. People get
3: preyed on. Okay, look. Can we just really quick serious discussion? Sure. These scam artists that are so disgusting. Would it help? Like if we made a law that you get caught in a scam where you stole money like this, and we can start rem- removing like appendages and limbs. Like removing hands, arms, it's it, it eventually getting you down to just a a torso. Yes. Like if we did that, we we remove arms in this country. If you're caught in a major scam, because my wife got pulled into one off the whole uh, missing jury duty thing. And, yeah. And that was disgusting. It's it caused a lot of fear in her and a lot of anger in me. And what I found through that tweet that I put out, there were a lot of people that got pulled into that. Wives that spend two hours on the phone driving around getting gift cards and giving the number of the gift cards to the what they thought was law enforcement yeah. to avoid being arrested in the moment. If if as a country we're like, hey, okay, everything's fine in this country, but in this country, if you execute a scam and we find out about it, we take your arm from the shoulder down. Could it could we stop it? Because it's fair.
1: I I it's would, fair. I'm this all... scumbag deserves to lose an in, arm. In a public setting.
3: Yes. There's a movie pulled that, from his body by a horse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like two horses, yes. one arm tied to each horse. And then you just whip each horse and they go in different directions. And
3: we'll see which arm is stronger. And yep. The body can keep that arm. Yep. But you're losing your other one. That's what these people deserve.
1: I'm with you. I am with you 100. But you know what
3: our country does? It's like, oh shoot, well he's he well, in real
1: need. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, we, we, we there's no way we could track their
3: IP hey, address. That there, would take us
1: days. There's a movie you need. There's a movie you need to watch. I you know when you're on the road and you're bored, and you go. I went and saw this. Uh, what was it called? The beekeeper. And uh, anyway, this woman got. It was actually the mom from the Cosby Show. She got taken by a scammer. And Jason Statham went and found the scammers. And what he did to those scammers is what should probably be done to them. Really? Yes.
3: Well, I'm interested. Yes. Is it a good movie?
1: Uh, I'm not going to tell you if it's good or not. Because all you'll do is you'll take Amanda, and then you'll yell at me when you're driving home. And then she calls me, and she'll yell at me, too. I enjoyed it. It's just a lot of blood, a lot of carnage, and a lot of explosions. If you're feeling like that, then I think you'll like it. Hey, are
3: Mrs. Huxtable and Mrs. Creed the same person?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Hans and Scotty, uh, we're live here at uh, my hearing center. Matt's with us, 801-438-7058. That's the number to call because, look, if you are dealing with hearing issues or if you have family members that are dealing with hearing issues and you want to see that quality of life improve, it just takes one. uh, And I think it's important that we talk about the free evaluation. It is a very – I mean, it's not lengthy in terms of time, but it is a very extensive, very – detail-oriented evaluation which you will really know where you're at with the graphs and everything that goes along with it
4: yeah and it's very important for you to understand where you're at so you can make a decision on where you want to go right Uh, without that you don't really know what you're gonna do I know the earlier uh, Hans was talking about uh, price and and where that all falls in you know we do something very unique with my hearing centers Uh, as soon as the hearing aids are covered we do everything up front and that's gonna cover the life of the as long as you have the hearing aid all, all your follow-up visits, your, your, your um, in-repair in, in warranty checkups. Uh, if someone has to go back to make manufacturer, we give you a loaner, a loaner hearing aid to make sure you can still hear. Uh, all the, all the uh, adjustments and retesting that we do throughout the life of the hearing aid, as long as you have it, we don't charge you for any additional follow-ups because we want to make sure you come in. So there's an upfront cost to work with my hearing centers to get the hearing aids after that. Full access to all of our providers to make sure we're, you're taken care of. And
3: well, I've seen the value in that, you know, with my dad being able to come in. He had his his one of his hearing aids cleaned, and you know, come in and get the checkups and and do those things. You guys let him know when he needs to come mm-hmm. in for those checkups, and and it's all great. The follow-ups and having the professionals around it to help you understand what you're dealing with is all important. Uh, you know, and I I wonder oftentimes where. Is there a bit of sticker shock when people come in and, and they're looking to improve their hearing? Or do you kind of look at it and say, hey, look, what's it, what's hearing worth to you?
4: Yeah, well, the, the reality is I think sometimes when people come in, they come in thinking that hearing aids are a consumer product, right? They're, they're not. You can't get hearing aids. You can't get prescribable hearing aids. There's over-the-counter hearing aids that you can get now and self, self-adjust self and fit them. They, they aren't going really well. I know the manufacturers are building them, they're not. They're not having a lot of success with them right now, uh, so they they do exist. Uh, people are trying them again, not a lot of success. But when you look at hearing aids online and see, okay, what's the price of a hearing aid? You you got to remember that hearing aid is just it's a it's a tool, right? That tool will do nothing for you without the person that that's using the tool to be able to make it work appropriately for your needs and so when you come in you're working with my hearing centers yeah there might be a little sticker shop because you came in thinking okay this is going to be maybe a couple grand a couple thousand dollars to be able to get the hearing aids because i went online that's what it said online well they're they're not including the additional costs for us to be able to help you with those hearing aids and be able to help you know i'll do all those follow-ups and adjustments and fits and and everything else that needs to go along with it so if you want a hearing aid you're just looking for hearing aids, uh, be, albeit go online buy a hearing aid. You'll get what you pay. you're you going to get what we pay for, yeah. right? If you want, if you want to actually hear better, hearing health, better lifestyle, all those other things are provided. Come over to my hearing centers. We're going to make sure we maximize your insurance coverage. If you have an F- FSA or HSA plan, we're going to help you with those. We're, we're accepted by all major insurance companies at this point in time. Fortunately not everybody has a policy that works with you if you do have a plan that has a, a hearing aid benefit we're going to make sure we, we maximize it and then there's going to be um if you don't we've got uh we got financing available 0% OAC we've got um, payment plans uh, on top of that if we, if you need them uh 0% you know we're not we're not trying to make money off of financing we we are we are a medical company that we're just trying to help people hear and i understand that medical costs can can uh, you know stretch you out a little bit. So we're going to make it as comfortable as we possibly can. I love that.
1: Well, and you also want to make sure people are satisfied. That's why you're going to let them try them for 30 days. And free. Uh And whether you keep them or you bring them back, either way, you're getting movie tickets. That's right. Somebody's going to win a free pair of hearing aids if you're one of the first 50 people to call right now. So you're you're making the path as easy as you possibly
4: can. That's right. You can take the, you can take the movie tickets. You can go see the beekeeper per Scotty's recommendation not
1: not officially no I enjoyed it but that doesn't mean everybody will
4: or something else whatever whatever you'd like to see but the the reality is you don't know what you don't know so come in free hearing evaluation let's get you the information that you need so you can make a good decision and if it's not to work with us that's okay if it's not now you know we'll tell you you know what we would suggest you do in the future to make sure you manage your hearing Uh, but more more than not people come in they take the hearing aids home and then they start wearing them as part of their lifestyle because it improves it so much.
1: 801 438 7058. Call right now, 801 438 7058. Good friend of ours, John Kimball, joins us next, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone.